Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Krenitsa, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Thursday, April 13th, 2023. Our guest for this episode is Julian Kitasti, who's a composer, a singer, and a bandurist. This episode has been produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, an English language newspaper that has been published in the U.S. since 1933. Welcome, Julian. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Venezia. So to start off with, I'd like to get a little bit of information about your educational and professional background. You know, it pretty much says it all that, uh, you know, what you already said. I'm a, uh, I'm a Bandurist. I learned originally from my dad and uh, other family members. Uh, but after that, largely self-taught. I'm a composer. I have a, a degree to prove it from Concordia University in Montreal. A lot of my work on recordings and and so on, uh, solo and with uh, groups like Paris to Kiev in Canada, uh, the Experimental Bandura Trio in New York. I sing because that's part of the Bandura tradition. I feel a very important part to connect connect to the earlier stages of the Bandura tradition so that you can make something new out of it. So, um, you know, basically, this is what I've spent my life doing. You know, I, I, I'll leave it that general because uh, there's a lot of specifics. And, you know, we'll talk about some of those later. I think. Can you share with our audience some of the history of your family? Uh, did your parents come from Ukraine? And if so, where did they come from? And when did they emigrate? And did they emigrate to Canada? Uh, no, they, they immigrated to the U.S., uh, came to the United States. Uh, my dad was 21. I think my mom was uh, a year or two younger. Uh, but they came separately, and they met already in Detroit. Uh, they um, uh, Both families are from central eastern Ukraine, uh, from my father's family from south of Poltava, uh, town of Kobylake, uh, my mother's family from the city of Sume. And uh, both uh, both families uh, had musical traditions. Uh, on my father's side, of course, it was associated with uh, associated with the bandura. My uh, my grandfather played. My father played. My, uh, my great uncle Hrihori was the director of the bandurist chorus. They actually came out of Ukraine with the bandurist chorus. Uh, and then to the United States with the Bandurist Chorus. And my mother's side were also uh, uh, musicians, and uh, they traveled west, actually, with uh, Nestor Hrdovanka's choir and sang with it in the displaced persons camps. Uh, my grandmother and her three sisters, and later my mother. So uh, lots of music on both sides. When your dad came to the U.S., was he playing Bandura at that time? Yes, that's uh, yeah. Uh, he he uh, he uh, survived World War II thanks. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, still a he was still a kid, fourteen years old when uh, when the Nazis invaded uh, the USSR in forty one, and when the surviving members of the pre war Capella Banderisti uh, regrouped in that first winter of occupation and started playing concerts for food out in the villages, 
since you're played and his grandfather and uncle, his father and uncle were in the group, they, they made him a member. And he shared their history, which included, um, you know, labor camps in Germany and, you know, lots of close calls and, uh, and eventually the American zone of occupation in Bavaria and, and on, on their way to, uh, um, and he came to, he came to the United States with the Bandura. He, uh, continued to do it all his life and uh, is still at age 95 still follows <laughs> developments in the Bandura world uh, he was one of the people who started uh, Bandura camps and uh, youth ensembles in North America and so when he came here was he playing professionally uh, well, the, the Bandura's course was a professional so what about yourself I mean you're well known uh, as a Bandurist and I know you've been playing for many, many years. How did you decide, other than your heritage, to become a Bandurist professionally? You know, it was just, uh, I think I was, uh, I was in that, in my, you know, in my teens, I was in that stage of kind of looking for, you know, who I was, who, who me was going to be, right? And, uh and not finding it really, uh, finding it easily. And, uh, you know, and, and the bandura was there, you know, it was, uh, here was this wonderful instrument uh, uh, that needed to be uh, presented to to more people, that needed to be part of more lives. Here was this music that told the story about uh, about our people and where we came from how we got, you know, why why we ended up in the United States. You know, the history of the Bandura is just deeply tied into uh, the history of Ukraine for hundreds of years. Now that Ukraine is in this uh, horrific uh, war with uh, Russia, uh, you know, it. looking back at the history of the Bandura, you see the stages of that. You see the that it's not a, uh, it's not a year-long war. It's not an eight-year war. It's... Uh, it's a it's about a four hundred year war, or more, you know, and uh, uh, and and it coincides pretty much with the history of um, the history of Bandura and Bandura playing. So anyway, uh, the, there's a lot to a lot to tell. A lot can be that can be told uh, through the music, through the Bandura, and I started to realize this, uh, you know, in my teens and early twenties, and. And more and more uh, uh, realized that this was probably the most important thing that I could do with my life, you know, and that I was uniquely placed to do it. So, uh, so I went for it, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, when I was 20 still, I dropped out of uh, the University of Michigan and uh, took a job teaching Bandura in New York City and uh, never looked back. Was there ever a time in your life when you did not play the bandura? I assume because it was at home with your with your father, it was something that just was intrinsic yeah. to your family. Well, you know, I grew up uh, I grew up with with the instrument. You know, the the instruments are fairly large; they're not especially uh, child friendly. I hate having to teach kids younger than younger certainly than 10 or 11 but even that it's uh, uh i mean people do it it can be done now there's smaller instruments for kids but it's not a uh, 
the instruments as they were then were um, were uh, were not instruments you could really start playing seriously until you were about twelve thirty. And um, you know, and uh, at first I kind of tried to I tried to rebel against that as you know any kid would do. Yeah, but more and more, as I say, I, I realized that this was uh, this was the the thing that that I could do that would uh, that would make a contribution. And uh, I started playing seriously. I'd say in my in my late before that, I played a little bit, but I started playing seriously and really uh, self teaching a lot in in my late teens, trying to develop my technique, uh, trying to uh, explore. Uh, all these forgotten byways of the Bandura tradition, uh, which you know has kind of been my specialty. If everybody else is doing it, I go and do something else. Does anyone really know when the Bandura came to be? Mm, yeah, you know that, that's you know people can argue about that. Uh, it depends what you call a Bandura. Uh, you know, is it just a plucked stringed instrument? Uh, if you're talking plucked stringed instruments accompanying epic songs, they had those in ancient Egypt. You know, uh, they had those in the ancient world. Uh, in Ukraine, uh, some kind of flux string instrument accompanying epic songs uh, in the, probably in the 1500s, 1600s, uh, certainly, and, and before that, in Kiev's Barus, uh, flux string instruments accompanying epic songs. It's a, it's a very common uh, thing in, in um, uh, not just in Ukrainian culture, but in world cultures. Uh, there's something about the sound of open strings, you know, accompanying um, text that pulls people in. Uh, so it, uh, so that's uh, so so many accompanying instruments in epic tradition, like the harp in Ireland, uh, the uh, the instruments that were used to accompany Greek epic, uh, Sumerian epic. You know, there's so many of them are open string plucked instruments. Um, and uh, uh, so the bandura fits uh, as a epic accompanying instrument fits into that tradition. Uh, instruments resembling the modern bandura start to appear a little bit later. Certainly by the probably by the you know by the 18th century, 18th 19th century, there are instruments uh, uh, that we would recognize as a modern bandura. But it's uh, you know it's hard to you know it's hard to really. Uh, research and write it because and not that many have survived it's uh by its nature it's an instrument with high string you know a lot of string tension and uh, they tend to come apart you know after uh after half a century or so <laughs> you know even if they're well made uh, so anyway but uh but it's a it's an instrument with a with a tradition uh it's an instrument with an interesting early 20th century tradition when people in the cities first started playing it. Uh, that's really the tradition that my family taps into. Mm -hmm. And uh, and people were first trying to develop some kind of uh, concert music for the bandura. It's uh, it's an instrument that has a lot of, uh, like so much in Ukrainian culture, because of the waves of repression that it's been subjected to, uh, from um, our wonderful neighbors to the north, there's a lot of unfinished projects in the history of the Bandura. And one of the ones I've really been devoting myself to the last uh, good long while is uh, 
uh, a concept of a modern bandura, which was developed in Kharkiv in the 1920s, in that hotbed of cultural experimentation. Um, and there, a writer and musician, uh, very well-known writer, Hanat Kutkevich, uh, developed a type of bandura that, uh, on the one hand, was very, very close to the instruments that the, that the blind Kobzari, who he'd studied around Kharkiv, were playing. Uh, Kharkiv not only studied them, he learned to play their instrument and until he could play it better than any of them could. You know, and uh, he really knew the possibilities of this, uh, of, of the old uh, traditional instrument and knew uh, what it could do. He knew where it fell short uh, if you wanted to play some new music on it, you know, um, yeah. what uh, what it needed to get. Uh, so, you know, so he made very careful changes to that old-time instrument and developed an instrument that, um, first of all, like the old-time instrument, you can, you can play anywhere on it with both hands. Uh, that makes possible just an amazing, uh, amazing, amazing amount of, of different sounds, different uh, uh, different textures, different timbres, uh, you know, being able to get your fingers on the strings everywhere at any angle, uh, uh, all the strings, being able to, uh, um, you know, there's just so much, so much that, uh, that can be done. And this instrument, uh, you know, they started to work with it in Kharkiv in the late 20s. Uh, in the early 30s, it was shut. That whole project was shut down. Kutkevich was eventually arrested and shot. His students were scattered all over the world, and uh, a few of them happened to come to the uh, United States with uh, uh, with uh, the Capella Banderisti. A few of the older players there were people who studied with Kutkevich, and uh, so we had a we had some sense of this. Uh, you know, we had the instrument. We had some sense of, uh, of its incredible possibilities, but nobody really, you know, who played it you know, all that well and could show it, you know, only a few people ever, ever got to playing it reasonably well, you know, and, and I started working with it uh, when I needed a bandura that could do things outside of what the standard factory made instrument from Soviet Ukraine could do. Uh, when we were working with the experimental Bandura trio in the late 90s, early 2000s, I started, uh, I had a, a Kharkiv style Bandura. I started playing on it uh, and just realized that, man, this is an amazing thing, you know, and, uh, and I've been uh, working ever since to, uh, uh, to develop a, a new musical language uh, for this instrument. Julian, we're just about out of time. I'm very curious about what you consider to be your most unusual performance. And I remember seeing you one time in New York City where you perform with the Tuva Throat Singers. And this was quite a few years back. Uh, yeah, that was just it was an amazing concert. And But the juxtaposition of the Bandura with them was most unusual. So... What would you consider the most unusual performance? You know, uh, I mean, it, I've, I've certainly done a lot of collaboration. It's, um, uh, I mean, uh, with the, uh, those were Buryat throat singers that came to perform with Yara Arts Group in, 
in New York City. Uh, I've also done a lot of work with Yara Arts Group uh, uh, in um, in Ukraine, also in uh, Kyrgyzstan, and uh, and um, and certainly in New York City. Uh, you know, the, the it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to find uh, you know a, a performance that. Uh, there have been lots. There have been lots with all kinds of different musicians, but maybe the one uh, one that sticks in my mind was, uh, you know, uh, one of the concerts where that I did in um, uh, in the late '80s uh, on trips to South America in the Ukrainian colonies in Brazil. You know, where we uh, just pull up, and uh, not not everybody. You know, they, we'd pull up to the we'd pull up to the church in the village and ring the bell. You know, and the word would spread that this uh, this uh, strange guy from 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 the U.S. is is there to to give him a concert. And uh, you know, the word would spread, and within about you know forty five minutes, uh, an hour, the uh, whoever wanted to come and listen would gather at the church, and and I'd play right on the steps. Uh, from the steps of the village church in uh, in uh, in Paraná province in Brazil, there were a couple of those, and uh, they, they stay in my memory. Sounds like a, an amazing time. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Krenitsia. Oh, you're welcome. I have been speaking with Julian Kitasti, who's composer, singer, and most of all, a Bandurist. And I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kanenitsia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. This episode has been produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, an English language newspaper that has been published in the U.S. since 1933. And until next time, that's all for now.